big welcome now to everyone who's joining us for our live stream here at City Temple and Chelsea Community Church. It's just one part of our service, so you can come down and join us in person here at Chelsea on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or if you want to be part of the whole Zoom service, you can do that just by dropping us an email at info at city-temple.com. If you have your Bible, let's turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to pick up with verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Now remember the flow of Peter so far, of his letter. He starts out talking about who we are as individual Christians, as strangers and aliens, and how we need to behave. Then he talks about who we are corporately as the church or the body of Christ and how we need to behave. And then he begins to talk about how we need to interact with the world. And from there, he flows quite seamlessly into uh, how we act as the family of God, beginning with the husbands and wives and then going to the wider Christian family. And then he begins today, he flows into, uh, again, how we uh, minister to people, particularly people in the world. So that's kind of the flow that we've been talking about. And so we'll pick up with verse 9 in chapter 3. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for doing what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Well, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. May God bless to us this word, reading from his word. Well, I've been taking you through a, a number of science fiction programs, and most of those you've heard of, but this one you may not have heard of. It's one originally from the 1980s, a very short one that was remade around 2010. Again, a rather short one, a series called V. Uh, v as in victory or V as in visitors. And in V, at the start, uh, about uh, 30 to 50 uh, giant flying saucers, you know, the typical alien spaceship, they come and they hover over major cities around the world. And the people come out and, and they look just like we do. They look like normal human beings. They speak all the languages that we speak quite naturally. And uh, we learn that they're very technologically advanced. Uh, they seem to be really great 
great alien people. They say, we need a few minerals, uh, and we need some of your help, but in exchange, we'll share our technology with you. And they were healing cancer and you know, taking care of a lot of diseases and things like that. So the people of the world, they say, oh, this sounds like a great deal, okay. That's really good. Of course, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about this, it doesn't really continue that way. Actually, as it goes on, we discover that they're actually not uh, humanoid kind of creatures, that that's kind of a, an outer coating that they have. And when you tear through it, it turns out that they're reptilian creatures walking on two feet, uh, who, whose plans are to come and take all of the Earth's water use most of the earth's people for food, and those that they don't eat make them into slaves and cannon fodder for the many wars that the civilization has to fight. And a, quite a turn of events uh, that happen uh, in both, in all the versions, I think humanity eventually prevails, although, you know, of course they do, because uh, that would be a real bummer of a series, right, if they didn't. Uh, but. Uh, but it really raises a big issue. And it's one of the key issues if you're dealing with science fiction, and that is, is the aliens, are, are they friend or foe? Because it makes a really big difference. You know, over the years at Star Trek, if you ever watched Star Trek, you learned that, that there are some alien races that look really ugly and they look like they're gonna kill you, but actually they're really good. Uh, and there's other alien races that look really pleasant and really nice, but as soon as they can, they'll burn you to a crisp or disintegrate you with a laser beam or something like that. And so you really need to know how to discern whether or not an alien is a friend or a foe. And historically, now that's been pretty easy for us as human beings. Because if you look at the history for us as human beings, we just assume everybody's a foe and try to kill them. Right? I, I mean, that's, that's our history. Oh, well, your skin's a little bit lighter than mine, so I think I'll kill you. Uh, your skin's a little bit darker than mine, I think I'll kill you and maybe eat you too. Uh, uh, or, you know, your skin's really light, I think I'll kill you and take all your money. You know, what, what is, you know, it, it, it's just the way that we are uh, as human beings. We tend to assume everybody who's even a little bit different from us is a foe which is a real problem when it comes to us as Christians. Because remember what we've been saying, what Peter's been saying, is that if you become a Christian, you're like a resident alien on the earth. You are no longer the ethnos, the ethnicity that you were raised in. You're no longer what you look to be on the outside, that on the inside, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you have become a new ethnic group, the people of God. And Peter's challenge for us is that we have to live on this world as aliens, as strangers, as sojourners, and if we ever start thinking that this world is too much our home, then we fall into some problems. But that means that if we are aliens, and if we are difficult to understand, and if we do have all kinds of weird rituals, like eating flesh and, and drinking blood and marrying our brothers and sisters, uh, you know, if we have all these kinds of strange things, then people will tend to assume that Christians are foes. And that's been even truer 
in the last 15, 20 years. It's increased in the West. It's been that way in non-Western nations for quite some time. But in the West, we're starting to catch up with that because our Western nations are no longer bound up in what we call Christendom. In other words, they're no longer bound up in an expectation that everybody's gonna be a Christian, everybody will act like a Christian, everybody will live like a Christian, and if you're not a Christian now, just wait a little bit. When you get a little bit older, you'll wanna to go to church. And that reality doesn't exist any longer. And furthermore, people now look at us and they think that we're hypocritical because we talk about love, but most of the time we don't seem to be terribly loving. They think we're judgmental. They think that we're against everything. Uh, well, you could just say they think we're against everything, but especially anything that's good, anything that's enjoyable, we're against it. We're opposed to it. And frankly, we have to admit that quite often as Christians, we've acted like foes. We've not acted like the benevolent aliens that we're called to be. We've acted like enemies of the people. We've acted like it would be, you know, the, the, the greatest thing in the world if God would just make everybody crispy critters, you know, call down fire from heaven, especially if somebody annoys us. Oh God, clearly they don't deserve to live because they insulted me, so please, crispify them. Uh, that's what James and John did, remember? You know, they were there and, and they were rejected by a community and they said, hey Jesus, can we call down the fire on these guys? You know, and so we behave like that. And this makes it very, very difficult. And all of this is complicated by the fact that we do have three great enemies in this world. We have the world, we have the flesh, and we have the devil. The world is the world systems that pull people away from God. The flesh is our, the humanness that we have that wants to do our own thing and not God's thing. And of course, the devil we know. He's a very real spiritual being, really active in this world around us. And we add on top of this that there are some people that Paul referred to in Ephesians as sons of disobedience who are reprobate, who are completely lost, and I think probably without hope, who are active in the world today and their numbers are growing as never before. And you see it in the mass killings. You see it in the abuse of children. You see it in all the evil that is happening in our world now. But the problem is, for the most part, people are not our enemy. But it can be easy to mistake somebody for a son of disobedience when they're not. Or it can easy, be easy to mistake somebody who's acting on behalf of the world, the flesh, or the devil as somebody who's acting just of their own volition and somehow deserves the call of enemy. But let me tell you, people are not our enemy. And let me tell you really strongly, your brother and sister in Christ is never your enemy. Never your enemy. So how do we deal with this reality? Because it's a reality that we're living in and it's a reality that is going to become increasingly sharp in the future. 
we are going to see the distinction in the West, like we're seeing in places like, uh, say, Pakistan, or China, or North Korea, or Northern Nigeria. That kind of thing is going to increase. Now, maybe not where they're killing us, but where we're experiencing increasing hostility. How do we deal with it? How do we live as Christians? How do we interact with the world in that reality? And that's what Peter is talking to us about today. And I think Peter in this passage gives us two primary strategies for engaging with the people around us as stranger aliens to show them that we're not foes, but that we're friends. We have to remember, as Peter points out, it's often a hostile environment that we're walking into. When you go into work, when you go to school, it's often a hostile environment. And understand that even when you use these two strategies, you can still experience persecution and difficulty. Doesn't shield us against that. So what are the two strategies, or the two activities, the two primary things, I think, according to Peter, in this passage that we need to do. Number one, we bless people. We bless people. Peter tells us that our calling is to bless, not to curse. Our calling is to bless people. In fact, you can say that blessing is the essence of all Christian ministry and Christian activity. If it's not an activity of blessing, it is not a ministry to which God has called us. Now, sometimes people don't always feel like they're blessed. I understand that. But blessing is the essence of all our ministry and all our activities. Now, blessing basically means to speak well speak well over people. But it also includes our actions so that we extend the favor of God to other people. We are people who have experienced God's favor. Paul tells us in Ephesians, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We're sons of God. We've been adopted. We're loved. We're redeemed. We're chosen. Just like we sang in the song, I'm already blessed today. We're already blessed in the Lord. We have the blessing, and we need to extend the blessing God has given us to other people around us. We need to proclaim and bring God's shalom or God's well-being to the people around us in our lives. Whether they're people in your family, people in the church, people on the street, people in your workplace, we bless. We are called the blessed. It's the core of it. And the incredible thing about it, Peter says, that when we bless others, we receive a blessing. And the amazing thing is you can't bless people in order to receive a blessing. There's a great story about a a monk. And this monk used to live in the wilderness, and uh, he had a pot over a fire. And everybody would keep bringing wood to the pot, and the monk would stir the pot. And about every two, three minutes, uh, a few ounces of gold would fly out of the pot. And the monk would stir it, and, and, uh, and people would come along and say, I want to do that. So the monk would just stand aside, 
And I spent hours stirring the pot. Nothing came out. Hours and hours stirring the pot. Nothing came out. Then the monk would sit back down, stir the pot. Within a moment or two, gold's popping out. And finally, somebody had the wisdom to ask him. He said, please, tell me what's the secret. And the monk said, well, the secret is when you're stirring the pot, you can't think about gold. And that's our call when we bless. We can't think about the blessing we're going to receive when we bless other people. And Peter, what he does, he focuses in on Psalm 34. That's the quote there he makes. It's from Psalm 34 where we sing, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good in the first song. That's also from Psalm 34. And he gives us, in a, in a sense, the, kind of a definition of being blessed there in the quote. He said, whoever wants to love life and see good days. That's why if you want to have a, a, a zest for living and see good days, not that every day is going to be good, but that you'll see good days, that's being blessed. And so if you want to be blessed in that way, you need to be somebody who blesses. And he tells us, if we're going to do that, first thing, we have to avoid that which disrupts or inhibits our ability to bless. That's why he says, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. In other words, don't do evil to others when they've done it to you and don't speak evil to others when they've spoken it to you. Frankly, a lot of times we spend too much time, you know, Tit for tat, giving people what we get. And we've got to stop doing that, he says. And he says, we need to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from deceit. Now, that word deceit, we kind of think, oh, that means lying. No, it doesn't, actually. It means using cunning, crafting your words carefully to give people a different impression than what's actually true. So you don't lie but you just use your words to manipulate and control. If you want to do that, you won't receive a blessing. Actually, it undermines your ability to bless. So if we stop doing that, then the question comes, how do we bless? What do we do? Well, again, Peter tells us in the quote, he says, first of all, we need to do good. Now, the good is that which brings a benefit to other people. We need to work for beneficial outcomes in other people's lives. So if you want to do good for your boss, that means helping your boss succeed. Means don't undermine your boss, but you help him succeed. If you want to do good to your spouse, that means you do things that will encourage them and build them up, not things that will tear them down. We have to do good. Do good, he says. And then he says, as we're blessing people, we have to seek and pursue well-being for them. So it's not about just doing good. It's also pursuing, going after what will bring them God's shalom, God's peace, or well-being, as we translate it, uh, which is probably the more accurate translation. We need to be doing the things that help everybody to experience the kind of well-being that we have in Jesus Christ. Even though they can never fully have it outside of Christ, we still need to be engaged with them and pursuing that well-being for their lives. So it's not just a passive, well, I hope that you get well-being. It's actually pursuing it yourself on their behalf 
so that somehow they can experience it. And we need to be doing that. And if you want to know, okay, how do I do that? Ask the Lord. Because the Lord will show you. You know, why I don't usually do a lot of top ten lists of this is how you do certain things is because I understand that God will tell us different ways to do it based on the context that we're in. And so what you need to do is listen for the Lord because I guarantee you, if you say in your heart right now, Lord, I want to bless everybody in my circle, beginning with my wife or my, my husband, my children, beginning this week, I want to bless everybody in my circle. Show me how to do it. I guarantee you that the Lord will show you things that you never even thought of this week. I guarantee it. He always does it. So do good to people. Pursue their well-being, their shalom, and pray, he says, pray as a righteous person. Now, what does that mean? It means pray as a person who is in right relationship with God and with other people. That's what righteousness is all about. Righteousness, biblically, is always about relationship. You know, so if I'm uh, criticizing my wife, I'm not in a right relationship with her. So I'm not righteous. If, if I am disobeying the Lord, I'm not in a right relationship with him. Now, if you find yourself not in a right relationship, you deal with it through repentance. You say, God, I am sorry. I really messed this up. Uh, I ask that you would forgive me, and I want to replace it with right behavior toward my friend, toward you, toward my church, whatever it is. And then sometimes you need to go and make amends with the person. But you have to pray as a righteous person. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time in prayer. If you're praying and you know that there's something not right in your life, you're wasting your time because you're undermining God's willingness to answer that prayer. Because he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he hears their prayers. In other words, God responds to the prayers of the righteous. And he's looking out for you. You don't even have to pray the prayer the right way. If you're in righteousness, you can pray your poor prayer and God will make it a right prayer. It's such a great thing. And we walk in that righteousness, by the way, by the grace of God. It's all through Jesus Christ. But understand, Peter says, the Lord turns his face from those who are doing evil. So you can't expect God to answer any of the prayers. And I think Peter is reminding us here, too, with his comments about suffering and such. He's, he's saying, remember, nothing can prevent you from receiving a blessing. So you keep on blessing. You keep on blessing. Not those who want to harm us and not those who want to cause us suffering. Nobody can keep God from blessing you. Nobody can thwart God's blessing for your life except you. And so he's encouraging us and he's challenging us. Strategy number one, behavior number one, we bless people. Look for ways this week. Say, God, I want to bless people. I want to bless people. Strategy number two, and these two things have to go hand in hand for us as Christians. We witness to Jesus. We witness to Jesus. It's not enough just to bless. People need to know why you're blessing. 
We need to share Jesus with people. We need to witness to Jesus. And for Peter, our witness involves both what we say and what we do. What we say and what we do. And the first thing we have to do in order to witness people, according to Peter, we have to resist fear and anxiety, especially fear and anxiety that involves other people. If I'm afraid of somebody or afraid of what they think of me, I'll never share Jesus with them. So I need to be resisting that anxiety. I need to be resisting that fear. I need to feel the fear and do it anyway. Keep pressing in. And we need to remember that the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 118, 9, 6. Sorry, 6. So we have to resist fear and anxiety. That's kind of just like don't speak evil. Don't revile, that kind of thing. And then here's the key. Here's the heart of it. And if you read different translations, they translate this, uh, this passage uh, in, in slightly different ways. Um, he says, uh, going down verse uh, 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. That's what it says uh, in the ESV. And I want to shift that a little bit. I don't often disagree with the ESV's translation, but this is one time where I do. Uh, and I think what Peter is saying here is that we need to set apart Jesus Christ as the only and sovereign Lord in our hearts. We set apart Jesus as the only, the sovereign Lord in our hearts so that Jesus influences everything we think, we feel, we say, and we do. That's the thrust of the Greek here, in my opinion. We set apart, we say, Jesus is the holy. He is the only Lord. He is the only Savior. He is the only one that I follow. And I do that from the very depths of my being, in the bottom of my heart. I set him apart as the Lord so that the reality of Jesus in my life influences everything I think, everything I feel, everything I say, and everything I do. That is the essence of for us to witness to Jesus. Because I tell you, if that is true of your life, you cannot help but witness to Jesus. If that is true of your life, you will do it, and you won't have to think, okay, what, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? It will come naturally to you. It will come naturally to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. But this means that Jesus must have your supreme allegiance, both internally and externally. Jesus Christ is the Holy One. He is the only Lord, the only Savior. And by the way, honoring Jesus like this is really the antidote to fear and anxiety as well. It's the way that we resist fear and anxiety. And then Peter goes on to say, okay, if you want to witness to Jesus, then on top of that, setting apart Christ the, as the only Lord, uh, the only sovereign Lord in your heart, you need to always be ready to defend the hope in us, the hope we have in Jesus. And that's the word for that we have apologetics, which is basically, you just got to know, why do we believe what we believe? We need to know things like, well, Jesus rose from the dead in bodily form on the third day, and that's actually 
one of the most historically verifiable events in the ancient world, the resurrection of Jesus. And that's the cornerstone of our faith. And that's where we learn and we grow together so that we can give a defense, we can give a, an apology uh, or a, a reason for why we follow Jesus and the hope that is in us. And he says, if we're going to do this as well, we need to embrace suffering and difficulty. We're going to suffer. We're going to suffer, unfortunately. I wish I could say that everybody's going to love us and they're all going to think that we're good aliens and they're going to receive us. But the history of humanity demonstrates to us rather conclusively that human beings tend to kill aliens. And in fact, the one who came, who was fully God and fully human, they decided to crucify, even though he'd done no wrong. And Jesus died on the cross for us so that we could join him as aliens and strangers on this world. We need to enter in this world every day to bless people and witness to Jesus. Bless people and witness to Jesus. Bless people and witness to Jesus. Oh, I forgot, in the witness. How did I forget all of this? This is like one of the most important. When we give our defense, we mean to, mean to make sure that we do it with gentleness, respect, and a good conscience. I forgot that. Bad rod. Bad rod. It's, it's like the most important, one of the most important things in the whole thing. And I just looked right over it. Completely forgot about it. But it's so important. It's so important. Because I hear so often when I hear Christians witnessing, they're not doing it with gentleness. They're not doing it with respect. And they're not doing it with a good conscience. And what this means is gentleness means with consideration and humility. You know, if you're humble about sharing Jesus, nobody minds you sharing Jesus. If you're arrogant about sharing Jesus, nobody likes it that you share Jesus, even Christians. That's so true. So we've got to be gentle. We've got to be respect. We have to show honor toward people as human beings. To remember they're not an object to be one to Jesus. They're a human being who has thoughts, feelings, experiences. And they need us to understand them, to come alongside of them in that reality. And a good conscience. And what he means by a good conscience here is not, oh, I don't think I've done anything wrong. That's not it. A good conscience in the Greek is talking about good self-awareness. You need to be aware of yourself when you're witnessing to others. And you need to be aware of how you're coming off when you witness to others. A lot of times there are a lot of Christians who are witnessing and it's just rude. I mean, they're just being rude. And they think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really doing what God wants me to do. I'm, I'm scared to death, but I'm by golly, I'm going to beat this person over the head with this Bible until they get it or until they die, you know, whichever comes first. And they never think, you know, maybe the person's not rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting me because of the way I'm acting, because of the way I am. So when we witness to Jesus, we need to do it with gentleness, respect, 
and self-awareness completely. So bless people and witness to Jesus. Bless people, witness to Jesus. That's our ministry strategy in the world, even to one another. Bless people and witness to Jesus. If you will bless people and witness to Jesus in this way, you'll be amazed at what the Lord does in your life. And not because you set out to, to win a thousand people, just because you live as a follower of Jesus. And people will see, okay, they're an alien, but boy, they're a friendly alien. And I want to respond to them. I remember years ago, I was going to a meeting. And this is actually in a denomination I was part of in the States. And it was a bit of a hostile environment, frankly. And I really expected to be attacked because it was a very liberal denomination that did not like the fact that I was evangelical and I preached the gospel, believed the Bible, and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so I started to go into it very defensive. But the Lord said, no, don't. And so I went in, I put my guard down, I went in it. And I never had to say anything. A couple of people tried to attack me, but other people in the group defended me. And it was extraordinary, and it was a good meeting, and it was very beneficial. And the Lord spoke clearly to me after the meeting. He said, Rod, be careful of making enemies out of those who would be your friends. You know, most non-Christians in this world want to be friends with Christians who are really living the life. And we have to be careful not to make enemies out of those who would be our friends. The world, flesh, and devil, they're our enemies, along with the sons of disobedience. People need to be set free. They want to be set free. They want to be saved. But many people don't even realize they're enslaved. And it's only when we bless them or witness to Jesus that they, become, they come to an understanding of who they are. Not because we've convinced them that they're miserable sinners, but because we've loved them and the Holy Spirit's worked in their lives and shown them their sin and shown them their needs for Jesus. People need Christians to come alongside of them as friends, friends who can point the way to Jesus, even when we seem like really strange aliens. We need to show people that we are friends of God and friends of them as well, knowing that in that, Jesus Christ will be honored. And in that, as we live in this world, Jesus will receive the glory. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your promise over our lives. Thank you for the call and the command to bless people and to witness to Jesus. Lord, help us to remember how to bless people, how to do good and pursue their well-being, speak good over them, how to witness to Jesus, not in fear, but in faith, setting apart Jesus as the Lord in our hearts, reflected in everything that we do so that we can share Jesus with gentleness, respect, and self-awareness. Help us to do this as we go forth from this place today. Help us to be people who bless the world and witness to Jesus so even if they think we're aliens, they'll recognize that we're good because we're with Jesus. And God is good. 
and God loves them. We love you. And we pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.